millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today we have a wonderful episode on common faults with fat loss. I'm delighted to be joined by Coach Luke, who is uh, going to help me dive into, uh, into this topic and raise the awareness of uh, a few of the things that we see and commonly crop up with our clients and with people just to, just to help you. We're not pointing fingers, we're here to help. So Luke, yeah, how are you doing today, big man? On a Monday morning, we're recording this. How are you? Good, thank you, man. Yeah, I always like starting my Mondays off with a, I mean, not starting them off, but I like having a conversation with you on a Monday to get the week started um, so that we can attack it. As you say, we're not pointing fingers with this kind of stuff. So if you feel like we're pointing fingers at you, that might be a you problem. But <laughs> there you go. We'll, probably right. we'll unpack some things there. Yeah, exactly. So look, this is, this is it. This is why we wanted to do this right. It's because most of the time people think with nutrition that it should be the big task this big event that they need to clear their diaries they need to cancel all their social plans and commit to something 100 percent where in actual case this is some you know that for most people that isn't the case that that, that shouldn't how that is not the way that you should be approaching nutrition what you need to be doing is identifying small little changes, small little habits that can you know, potentially have slipped. You know, little things that you don't realize that you're doing now that actually when you were on plan or when you were doing well with your nutrition, you know, you had these things in line and actually now you just kind of let them aggress a little bit. So tightening these up often leads to progress relatively quickly without you having to then, you know, invest in, you know, coaching or, you know, probably doing ourselves out of a disservice here, but but we want to just kind of like identify these because sometimes we just need to be told again and just be like, oh yeah, that's me. Damn, I'm doing that. That's what we're going to get into today, and hopefully this is going to help you to kind of see progress. And because we're, we're recording at the beginning of summer, I think this is a very, you know, this is a good timing for this type of conversation because often people go, oh, I don't want to commit to nutrition because I've got, you know three weddings and two holidays and, you know, beer gardens are, you know, are something that we've missed so much. So we, we end up kind of putting nutrition on the back burner and that shouldn't be the case. Okay. You can still make progress, even being social, even being on holiday, 
you know, with all of these things, you don't have to wait till September when the kids go back to school or January. Like you can see progress throughout the year. So hopefully we're going to dive into a few things. And for me, I'm going to dive straight in there, Lukey, because I spoke about beer Too gardens. And, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about liquid calories. And liquid calories is something that you can rack up relatively quickly. So when we're talking about that, when I'm, I'm the main culprits for me are alcohol, uh, fizzy drinks, and like teas and coffees, you know, juices and stuff like this. If we took, what you want to do with the liquid calories is kind of take a bird's eye view across your week, okay? And think, where across my week am I getting a big intake of liquid calories, okay? Is it during weekend when I drink alcohol and actually I don't drink that much tea or coffee or I drink black coffee, you know, or green tea, you know? Or is it that actually it's maybe two or three cappuccinos or lattes a day coupled with a you know a few glasses of wine across the week. And what you want to try to do is just shave off the non-essentials. Okay? Now, I know what you're going to say it's not essential to drink. I know it's not essential to drink. But in certain scenarios, you kind of want to. You know, like I want to. When I'm seeing my pals, I haven't seen them for a while. Like I want to have a couple of pints in the garden when it's sunny. Okay? I don't want to have a soda and lime. Like, but on a Tuesday night, you know, if I built that habit that I come home and I have a beer or I have a wine or I have a, a, a gin and tonic, like that's the type of thing there that you need to just shave and go, actually, I don't need that. That's a habit that has slipped back in and that's what I need to change. Okay. And if you do that, then the Tuesday and the Wednesday or the Thursday night, you've shaved off X amount of calories per week, per two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And over the two, three months of summer, you can then tidy it up and, and that will make a difference. And often we think that we have to focus on that weekend or that barbecue to be like, oh, I need to be the person that doesn't drink at the barbecue. Like, no, you don't. You need to be thinking about what you're doing across the week and where you can actually just minimize some of the things that I think what I'm going to call non-essential. Okay, same goes with calories from coffees and teas and everything else. If you're having that many lattes, you just built the habit of having it. You can have like a flat white. If you change them all to flat white, you would save yourself calories. Okay, done. If you swapped one of them for a black coffee or swap one of them, you know, out and just had, you know, some water, like it would be that simple to do. And what you'll find is that this compounds. So rather than you having to then invest in going on a diet or a plan or a program, if you just tidy those up, you might save yourself two, three hundred calories a day. Okay. You know, that could equate to fifteen hundred calories a week, Monday to Friday. And all of a sudden, you're up around four and a half, you know, whatever, five, six thousand calories across a month. You know, that's a lot just from making a relatively small change. Um, so that's my opinion. That That's the kind of big one, I think, across the summer. Liquid calories do rack up. And, and it's not about kind of like, you know, putting a, putting a dampener on the big events or the times where you, you need to be a little bit more social. You want to. It's about the other times. What's your thoughts on that, buddy? I agree. Yeah. I think also what's one of those where you kind of touched on the, the drinking side of things. Uh, and this might be a bit of a boring thing to say as well, but you can be smarter with the options you go for when you're drinking too. Um, so if you're one of those people that, you know, it's summer, you want to be out in the beer garden, you want to be having fun and you're not going to sacrifice that kind of thing. And um, then you can mix up what you drink to be more kind of geared towards your goals if they are at fat loss. Mm. So instead of sinking, um, 
however many pints uh, you could move towards stuff that is a little bit kind of less calorific as well so going for spirits and uh, low calorie mixes so stuff like tonic stuff like diet coke that kind of thing as well could be really useful um, and even just thinking about volume and I know obviously yeah. Liam mentioned you know cutting out the essentials and everybody has a different idea of what is essential yeah. and, and it's about kind of finding that balance and um, but from a drinking point of view the difference between having probably three drinks and six drinks in a night is going to be huge when you think about it from the calorie perspective when you think about it from the enjoyment of that night perspective as well you're probably going to even get diminishing returns the more drinks you have at that point i think you can get obviously to a level and then just keep drinking for the sake of drinking yeah. and obviously in those circumstances willpower is being affected all that kind of stuff because you're probably inebriated, um, but kind of going in with almost like plans and strategies, which sounds boring. It sounds a little bit anal as well, but it's one of those where if you want to pursue fat loss and still enjoy these kind of things, there is that kind of middle ground that needs to be found. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's boring as I say, but it can be quite useful as well. I think you're absolutely on the nail there, Luke. People would approach it going, oh, it's boring. But they're the people that won't see progress. You know, like, in all honesty, people that do stay in shape and still, you know, have a social life, they're the ones that, they say, manage their excess, approach things in a, in a sensible way. And at times, yeah, they let loose. Of course they do. But like you say, you, you've got to be mindful of what you're doing. And I think if you can do that, it allows you to have the best of both worlds. If you're one of these people that, I think I spoke about this on a podcast with Tom and Courtney and I said, I don't think, I think balance doesn't exist. And I think people don't see progress because they try to have balance and that you go like, oh, I need, you know, oh, well, I don't want to be that person that restricts what I do and it restricts what I eat and restricts when I drink. Because I'm thinking, well, okay, well, you have to understand that, you know, you're probably going to make it really tough for yourself to lose weight or stay in shape because you're, you say you're that person that has that mindset of like, I need to, just be, you know, and drink, eat and drink whatever. Whereas if you go into it with, like you say that, like you said, with a bit more kind of awareness, you know, and, and think, actually, I am going to cap it here or I am going to switch up, you know, what I drink to be mindful because my goal is important to me and I want to achieve, you know, this weight goal or I want to get in shape or I want to stay in shape. Then, and I think, I think that's the way that you've got to be. You've got to be, you've got to be like that. Otherwise, so I think it's a slippery slope. So yeah, good stuff. And I think that kind of leads into my next point out of my list was weekends. I think there's a lot that kind of is a bit of a crossover, isn't there? Like where's the, the kind of biggest things that you see people get wrong with weekends, bud? I think the, the thing that jumps out to me is lack of structure on a weekend. And I think that kind of leads to, we've already said mindful and lack of structure leads to mindless eating. I think mm. on weekends we tend to be Monday to Friday, almost a little bit governed by the time that we have the meal times and obviously work times and that kind of thing. So we tend to stick to a relatively good structure around our eating, one that kind of worked for us. Uh, and I think this tends to, yeah, go out of the window on the weekends for sure, which can also be influenced by obviously the going out and drinking, which we've already mentioned the next day, stuff kind of gets pushed a little bit back almost. Yeah. And you think, oh, but if that time window is a little bit shorter in terms of feeding, You've then got obviously a lot of other things that, that come into play in terms of hunger and appetite. And, and as I say, mindless eating, if you're not necessarily kind of sticking to, okay, cool. I normally have three meals per day and a couple of snacks that normally this kind of 
composition of protein and, and sort of thing. If you lose that on the weekend, you end up, yeah, just mindlessly snacking or the meals that you kind of go for. You might even subconsciously be thinking, well, I've had, I've missed a meal with breakfast because I woke up a little bit late because I was out the night before. So I'm going to go for something a little bit different to normal. And that's something that then gets bigger and bigger. And um, you end up having like a fully off-plan weekend just because subconsciously or consciously that structure is gone and you're not necessarily sticking to the principles that you were Monday through Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we, how do we, how do we fix that then? Is it just I mean, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's planning. And I always say, um, especially if we're talking about kind of these social events and that kind of stuff, make it as frictionless as possible for future you to stick to a plan as well. So if you know, for example, you might be going out for drinks on a Friday, then make sure that Saturday morning you've got overnight oats or something ready to go so that you wake up that next morning and it's like, boom, I know I'm getting some good quality nutrients in. I know I'm starting the day off right and I'm going to be sticking to the structure as opposed to waking up the next day, not knowing where you are, not knowing what food you're going to go for, jumping straight on delivery or just eat and getting something delivered for breakfast, even that kind of thing. So planning and making things frictionless for future you making it as easy as possible to stick to to the plan, uh, I think is a huge one. Yeah. I, I often tell people to do their f- weekly food shop on a Friday if you're getting bad with going out. Like get some good food in the house as opposed to scratching around when you're hungover or even worse, going shopping when you're hungover because that is just a recipe of disaster. So I think you're absolutely right there, buddy. That, that is a big one. This is going to kind of cross over for me in terms of the one of the other points that we have on the list is that often people approach weekends and they go like saving up their treats or that they they almost feel the need to eat off plan a weekend now for me this is where we need to be thinking about again looking at the week as a whole as opposed to weekday weekend and often i think people potentially can under eat during the week Okay, so underfueling themselves, and often we do a lot of our training in the week, you know, and then that's that's on top of our work week. So there's a lot of stress. There is potentially underfueling for the level of activity that they're doing, and what this does is it just accumulates. And then by the end of it, and we strict we restrict ourselves. Oh, I can't have it. I can't have. I can't have chocolate on a Tuesday. I can't have this. That's a weekend thing. Oh, I can't have that. So then they ended up building this up and then just like say overeating or blowing it at the weekends. Now there's a real context and real balance to this. I think sometimes when you, when you really restrict yourself during the week and only have things or leave things to the weekend, it can cause this kind of like feast and famine approach. And actually what we want to try to do is, and what we encourage people to do is try to take some of those calories that you potentially are going through overeat at the weekend and put them in your week to help you feel fuel training, to help you feel less hungry, to help you mitigate this buildup of, you know, potential. I don't like, even like the word saying it, but like, you know, binging at the weekends. Like if you can try to offset that by eating a little bit more of good quality food, you know, not being scared of it, then, then I think it, it just helps people approach or come to the weekend in a better mindset, in a better physiological state of not underfueling themselves. And what that then does is that they, approach it by like a normal day oh okay cool i can go out saturday and not feel like i need to have a cheat day you know because i've been able to 
kind of include the foods that I really enjoy uh, throughout throughout the week. But physiologically, my body hasn't been starved for five days in a row. Starved is excessive, I know, but like it hasn't been underfueled or underfed. So then they then they kind of feel a little bit more balanced going into the weekends. And for me, this is a this is a nicer way to kind of approach things rather than having this kind of cutoff on a Friday night that oh it's the weekend now anything goes so that's what I want people to kind of be thinking about doing and even if you're just chucking 100 calories 150 calories you know on a couple of days it's not to be every day I I think it makes a big difference so so yeah that that's my you know kind of just especially if you are someone that trains quite regularly you know I think we see that with quite a lot of clients isn't it if you if you are that person that trains maybe four times in the week you know Monday Tuesday Wednesday Friday Maybe then a Saturday session as well, like potentially you are going to, let's say, build up, build up that kind of need or requirement and then overeat potentially um, at the weekends. My other point on it is that uh, the 80-20 rule, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Luke, but my, my thoughts are people, again, have this idea that they need balance and that if you follow 80% of the time, you're going to see progress. Well, in actual fact, like if your 20% is so bad, that it, it that it negate the eighty percent that you're good, then you're not going to see progress. And now this is where I see people often feel like they are doing really well with their plan. Like I'm always I'm really good with my plan, Liam. Like why am I not seeing progress? It's because you twenty percent is so bad. You're just cheating on it all like all week, all all weekend, all day because you feel that you know oh I've been eighty percent good. I need twenty percent off plan. 20% is an off plan. It's just relaxing your food choices, but it's still got to be within your calorie target. Okay. So you can, you know, say relax and include foods that you don't necessarily do. But I think, I think I have, I have a real issue with the 80 20 rule. That's my problem. I think a lot of people get it wrong. So you need to be aware that the cheat days are probably going to be causing you to undo five days of good work. Yeah. I don't know if you see this. Regularly with people that yeah. you chat to, mate. I think it tends to almost just be sort of like a disconnect, really, between the idea of time, which not to get too deep and philosophical, but like that eighty twenty rule people take as eighty percent of the time being on plan and twenty percent being off plan, and not obviously as we sort of say the average. Because uh, we one phrase that that we always push at PH is it's what you do on average that counts. Mm. Um, and so people think, okay, well if eighty percent of the time I'm on plan, that means I'm and on average, on plan. Um, but as you said, if that 20% is so bad, so high in calories, you're taking on so much food that that totally skews the average of the amount of food that you're eating. So it's that kind of disconnect between time average and your nutrition average and the quality uh, and amount of food that you're getting in for sure. And people just think, oh, but 8% of the time I'm on plan. But as you said, that just totally skews up the mean for their diet yeah. yeah yeah no exactly mate that, that that's exactly right like you say is nutrition is what you do on average it's what you do most of the time it's not what you do some of the time so we're not saying that you need to be you know disregard like removing all of the food choices that actually you enjoy and only eating like really bland boring food you know that's fine to have these treats it's fine to have these you know say more relaxed occasions you just if you remember we're talking about fat loss here guys if you are focusing on losing weight or staying in good shape, then you have to be mindful of these. And it's a tough thing. It's, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating to even see how many calories are in things and 
what it takes. And especially if you're a smaller human, like sometimes your, your margins are very, very small in terms of, uh, you know, what's going to tip you into a maintenance or a surplus. So it's frustrating. So again, looking at what we do on across the week, across the day, across the week, across the month, you know, that's what's going to be the driver for, for change. So look, for me, got to have this kind of like structure where you approach weekends with a little bit of control. It can't just be random. And if you just wing it the whole time, then I think that you're leading yourself down a path where it's really, really hard to stay on on track. This kind of leads into a next one on terms of um, healthy foods. And I know a lot of people do stuff on this, but healthy foods that are very, very energy dense. Okay. So again, guys, we're talking about fat loss. And you know our philosophy at pH is food quality. We really, you know, we really bang home that the quality of your food matters. It's not if it fits your macros. So raising the, the awareness of things such as going to, to brunch and you're having, you know, smashed avocado and eggs uh, on toast. Then you might think, oh, you know, like the, the, the cacao and banana almond milk smoothie sounds nice as well. Should I have that as a side? Yeah. Okay. I'll have that. And all of a sudden you're probably up around 1500 calories for your breakfast. So that uh, the quality of ingredients is absolutely superb. Yeah. I'm not going to deny that. That, that, that's absolutely wonderful. But the energy density, the calories that you're going to consume even though they were from very good sources, it's going to be very high. As opposed to, I'm not saying that you should do this, but if you had like white bread and scrambled eggs, you know, or a couple of poached eggs, like the calories are going to be lower. So again, it's about context, guys. I'm not trying to riffle ray all your food choices, but it's just being aware of what is in the food that you're eating uh, and it's got to be conducive to the goals that, that, that you have. I think that they can sometimes be sneaky, you know, like the yogurt pots or granola. Restaurants, if you're eating out, they won't use 0%. They'll be using 10% Greek yogurt because it's nice and thicker and creamier. And they'll be using granola that's really, really nice and sugary and, you know, laden with oils and stuff. So you've got to be wary of these types of things. And it's one of the ones where if you're not seeing progress, like this is the probably where I would say, you need to tidy it up. Restaurants don't care about your body fat. They just care about how the food tastes. So curbing that, you know, might be, might be something. If you're going to go out, if you're going out regularly, it might be something that you eat at home and then just have a coffee or just eat earlier and then just have the smoothie when you go out. Like you don't always have to have everything. If you, if you're a, a regular bruncher, then I think it's some things that you need to, you know, you need to, to get, take into consideration. I mean, I don't get to get you out brunch that much anymore. So, Lukey, you know, you, you must experience this, like managing. I mean, you're trying to gain, you know, muscle, get stronger. But with clients, like, it, it's a minefield, isn't it? Like going out and, and kind of managing these types of food because we think it's healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those where, like, it, it always helps to kind of have a plan going into them again. And again, it's boring. Um, but knowing, looking at the menu beforehand, the options that you can go for, and if you're not sure about what to go for as well, ask. And I mean, there's another kind of little bit of a mindful element that you kind of need to bring in here as well, because some of these things, and this is kind of coming back to the the liquid cows, uh, when you mentioned, obviously, the cacao banana smoothie, that is going to 
be a lot of cows that's not necessarily going to fill you up too much as well. Mm. So it's about being mindful as to how you feel with regards to the amount of food you're taking in and noticing these hunger signals as well. And with those high energy dense foods, it's a bit harder to do that, especially if they're as easy to take on mm. as like you said, that kind of smoothie style thing where it's not going to fill you up as much as something that's going to have, you know, some lean protein in there and have plenty of fiber on the plate as well. So yeah, it is a tough one for sure, but it comes back to that kind of planning, knowing what you have going in. And this is kind of where you maybe also see people because they think of the quality of food, they don't necessarily compensate for it at a later date. Yeah. Because it's one of those where they might go and enjoy it and be fine and then they'll just continue eating as normal throughout the day sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas what I tend to kind of advise people to do, if they're having an off-plan meal, even if it's good quality food, but the, the energy density is a little bit higher as well, then we'll just make a small change on that day as well, which might just be, cool, we normally have a snack that day. Let's take it out because you're probably going to be having a little bit more at that meal. Okay. And it's always as simple as that. I always yeah. make it as easy. I don't worry about kind of like, oh, reduce dinner by 50 calories and lunch by this sort of thing. I look for the easiest kind of switch on that day to compensate for what me it might be a slightly higher meal and yeah. just be like sweet nice and easy to take that snack out probably not going to be hungry for it anyway boom done yeah I, I think that's again that's something that we need to be we need to be educating people on how to do you know like is it is it removing the snack or actually sometimes people might prefer to go you know my snack is normally i don't know yogurt and a bit of granola and some fruit or whatever be like okay well Make it yogurt and just have raspberries. So you're removing a banana and you're removing any kind of crunch on it. You're still having a similar thing, but you're probably shaving 200 calories off of that. Again, evening meal, I prefer to be like, if I've overeaten, then I'll be like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I am going to just reduce my, my evening meal. And normally mine is just chucking a ton of spinach, a ton of veg, a ton of coleslaw, you know, onto a plate and just having some like fish, meat, whatever. And actually I've got volume in there but I know that the calories in it are going to be a little bit less as opposed to having rice or potatoes or pasta or something. That would be an easy win for me if I've known I've been out, say, all day. If you don't do that, like you say, this is what I'm talking about, winging it. If you just wing it, you don't know. And I'm not asking, you don't need to track. Like, it's, like, like Luke said there, you don't need to be entering everything in because you'll be, you'll be guessing from the breakfast anyway or the, or the burger in the, you know, at the afternoon you know, at the pub or whatever, you'd be guessing, but you know that you can adjust things down, you know, on a bit of a sliding scale. So yeah, hopefully that helped guys. I think going into that away from like eating out, navigating like the, you know, the, the healthy kind of food snacks, you know, in general, you know, like if we're looking at like raw balls that are made with like dates and maple syrup and everything else, almond butter, they sound healthy, but again, like for the, for the amount that you get, like the energy that your body takes in, energy density is quite high, you know. So there, where this is where people might kind of like steer away from something like bare bell bars or grenade bars that aren't, that do have more artificial ingredients, but also might have a better macro and calorie profile that, you know, on occasions might help you to probably kind of achieve your goal easier than utilizing something that's, say, quote unquote kind of more nutrient-dense, you know, foods. Again, there's a real seesaw on this guy. It's like we're not telling you to kind of say just eat, you know, three slices of white bread for your brunch and 
live on grenade bars because that's going to help you to meet your calories. It's not if you fix your macros. You do need to be mindful. And you probably need to be mindful more so if you're not seeing progress. This is probably the people that we're talking to. Like if you feel that you're on plan, you feel like you're kind of being consistent, but you're not seeing the progress that you that you want. It probably all of the things that we're saying here and making these swaps, even if it's for short periods of time, can help you to see progress. I think the the kind of goes on to one that we have, which I don't know really how we're going to give a definitive answer on this, Luke. Proportion control. Like, obviously, this is something that we need to manage if you are to manage your calories because we can't just eat what we want. But have you got any tips, simple tips for people that struggle? Because this is what we often hear, struggle. I struggle with portion control. You know, like, how can we can we address this? There's there's a couple of kind of really simple ones that don't require weighing any kind of food out as well. Uh, there's kind of the hand portion guides that that we use for kind of like some simplified fat loss programs as well. And um, so they're basically using the palm, the fist, or the thumb uh, to go through just kind of amounts of food. So for example, protein, you probably want one palm worth of protein on your plate. Carbohydrates, it's one to two kind of cups, like cupped hands or palm amounts of that as well. Uh, and then we're fats it tends to be kind of a thumb's worth of fat which is a really nice simple guide to do and the reason that you kind of have kind of one to two on the kind of carb side of things is to make up kind of if you're training and you need a little bit more carbs for most people with fat loss it tends to kind of be going down to kind of the smaller range of that and the kind of good the beautiful thing about this as well is it often kind of takes into account without having a way the size of you as a person because we know that bigger people will probably need a little bit more and they're probably going to have bigger hands which is really nice and simple there as well with veg as well, we tend to say go in for like two fists worth of veg so that most of kind of your plate can be filled with that. Um, another easy way to do it is to look at your plate itself and split your plate up into sections and portion sizes. And when you're looking at fat loss, like Liam's kind of alluded to, at his kind of evening meals that he sometimes has, you probably want most of your plate to be filled with veg, the nutrient dense stuff, the low energy dense stuff. So you can maybe look at half the plate being veg quarter of the plate being carbohydrates a quarter of it being protein and obviously there's going to be room for kind of fat sources you might be cooking with oils and that kind of stuff as well mm. obviously protein sources might have a little bit more fat in them too and um, so that can be a really nice easy way to look at it and obviously there's always loopholes to those kind of things for example big plates is a loophole <laughs> to the plate one uh, which you can get by but for most kind of normal average sized plates that people use it tends to be kind of like a really easy way where you don't, if you're someone that, that you know, you, you want to make progress, you want to lose fat, but you don't want to dive into the nitty gritty of mm, tracking on my mm. fitness pal. You don't necessarily want to be doing that all day, every day. They can be really nice, easy ones to look at for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they're tried and tested as well. Mm. You know, lots of different nutrition companies or people, nutritionists who have used these with, with success. Now there's obviously, a, it doesn't work with everything, you know, like with, Breakfast is quite challenging to do kind of hand portion sizes. You can still do it with oats and fruit and stuff, but there's a lot of crossover. So this is where with portion control, it's almost building your meal. Okay. This is what you want to be thinking about. And this is kind of more goes down to lunch and dinners. But if you can have the first thing is, is protein and veg or salad as your base. Okay. Get those on your plate first before anything else. Okay, will you even think of anything else? What you can then do is be like, okay, well, 
I say adding extra stuff in there, such as carbs, such as you say so different different fats, and I think then it allows you to kind of not have the afterthought of veg. You know, it's like oh, I've built my plate, and then I just sneak a little bit of like a few tomatoes on the side. If you can try to bulk it out with things that are going to help you from a food quality perspective, you know, it just would also give you that volume. I, I'm really against trying to just make people eat really small meals. I just I think it ends up again overeating over snacking, hunger late at night, low energy. So you've got to be thinking about trying to get that kind of portion control correct by building your meal in the correct way. And I think by adding good quality protein sources and, and veggies and salads first, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's easier to eat a little bit better as well in the summer. I think sometimes in the in the winter we want more comforting, hearty food. I always remember when I worked at uh, worked for the Republic of Ireland national team and it was uh, the staff are just their hollow legs and livers that process Guinness faster than anything I've ever seen in my whole entire life. So I we used to go on 10-day trips and I used to have to drink. I had to drink, but you kind of had to. Like, it was the whole team down there. So there was a team meeting in inverted commas at 10 p.m. every night in the bar. And in that, it would be anywhere from minimum three to four pints to, yeah, a lot. And that was pretty much every night. Uh, so I had to pretty much go into training before. I had a drink, I had a drink a few hours. I'd go in like really, really struggling, but I'd come back and I would just be like, Oh my God. I was still so awful. So I ended up just like say having these go to meals. Okay. That when I come back off of a trip or a holiday or something like that, where I feel like I just needed to get back on track, I removed the decision stress of what to make. And I used to make. I got a soup maker, a massive soup maker, amazing. You just chuck whole broccoli, whole cauliflower, some ham, some onion, garlic, and you just blend it up with some stock. And you used to put some like shredded chicken or shredded meat and some like cashew nuts on top. And you used to eat bowls of it, like a couple of nights in a row for for lunches. And I just used to make salads, massive salads. And I would just munch my way through these two meals in the evenings for like a week. And it was it was mad. I would just feel so much better afterwards. And removing the decision stress of what to eat was a big part of that. And I think with fat loss, when we think about portion control and we think about making meals, we can often get overwhelmed because we're trying to find recipes. We're trying to build meals. And we end up going, oh, well, that's actually a bit not too much. Or making this new gnocchi or making this egg fried rice and actually too much. Whereas if you have these go-to, these stock ones that, you know, most weeks, or it's a fail-safe to be like, right, I can build that relatively quickly. It might be like some couscous, half pack of couscous, some salad, some salmon, some fish, some chicken or whatever, and a few cucumbers, tomatoes, like, you know, Greek-style salad done. It's not that much, and it won't cost you. It's easier to portion control, and I think that then makes it easier to stay on track. Whereas if you're trying to be random with everything or trying to have so much variety in your diet, I think then it, I think portion control becomes hard because it's hard to portion control new recipes, things that you haven't cooked before. So I think a little bit of repetitiveness when you're trying to do it is a, is a big thing. I think trying to get these meals that you know you feel good and you know you enjoy eating, I think that helps with portion control because you've made it before. You know how much goes into it, and and you can you can easily kind of like make it fit to your goals and and, and see progress. 
think that's when it, when it gets random. It's a bit tougher. So, yeah, hopefully there's some good ideas there on portion control uh, for you. And then the last one I wanted to just talk on, Luke, but if, you, if not, we've got anything else at the end, but is overestimating calorie burn so that you end up eating too much. Okay, and I know we spoke, I think we spoke, I think it was me and you that spoke about uh, adding back or eating back the calories that you, that you consume or you burn, sorry, on exercise. And actually, most calorie calculators will take into consideration this. So if you're taking into consideration it in your initial calorie targets and you're eating it back, you know, you're probably not going to see weight loss. So I do think that sometimes people overestimate the calorie burn where they're using watches and everything else. I think we've done a research review on that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it is one of those where the... uh, the yeah, uh, the conclusion from kind of looking at watches and stuff like that was most of these watches, their calorie burn estimations are, uh, there's a bigger kind of variance between what you're actually going to burn at the higher intensities as well. Yeah. Uh, I remember that kind of being one of the key takeaways was kind of at low intensities, just day to day. They're not too bad. I mean, they're still not exactly bob on, but they're not too bad at estimating calorie burn. But they are terrible at estimating calorie burn at high intensities, high heart rates, that kind of stuff as well, where it might be exponentially more than you think for sure. And it was one of those where you basically just don't want to trust the watches for those kind of high things for looking at calories. And like you said, I know a lot of things like my fitness pal have that kind of built in and calories burnt on the day. So eat it back sort of thing. Whereas the way that we approach things we always approach that we've already done the calculations for that. We've already taken into account your activity level when we think about it on the, the big picture. So you don't need to worry about each individual session. Yeah. Apart from obviously there's some big ones where you probably would, where, you know, you might have run a marathon or ultra endurance kind of stuff. Then yeah, maybe have a little bit more food. Yeah. But just day to day, if your Monday CrossFit session felt a little bit harder than the one you had last week, it's not going to require you kind of eating back no calories from that yeah i, I think you're right because it's again that averages chat you know if, you, if you're if you're adjusting it based on a feeling of how hard that felt or how hard you felt that you pushed or whatever i think that's very subjective and then if you're using this objective measure you, you know it's not necessarily accurate so i think you've got to take into consideration like again the the, the calculations that we and most macro calculators or nutritionists will put in place are still a guesstimate. You know, there was formulas that that have been put in place, but there's still a starting point. So this is where it comes back to, you know, if you're not seeing progress, you need, you need to be kind of tracking something, seeing trends, what's happening, and then adjusting based on this. But I think overestimating can have been at the start or kind of, uh, you know, so maybe they're like, oh, I train five times a week, you know, and I, and I do 15,000 steps. I, you know, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. Like, do you do 15,000 steps on like two days a week? Whereas actually the other days you do maybe 3,000. I think some people kind of think they do 10,000 a day and actually they don't. Uh, again, that will affect your initial calculations. And realistically, do you train five times a week? You know, and, you know, maybe you don't. Maybe you have got the five a week membership and actually you only end up going three times a week. Or if you looked at your month, you know, maybe it is only 19 times that you've gone and you've missed one a week. So it's only four. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you got to kind of try and play or you got to try and not play the game, but like you've got to be realistic with this. 
and and think like my initial targets i've got to get it actually being brutally honest is probably going to be you know in your favor with that so again you've got to be a starting point if you're not seeing progress then you've got to be looking at this as well to be thinking like actually is it my overall targets that i'm i'm being really consistent and hitting these and i'm just not seeing progress with it so that might be something to, to kind of look at and the eating back calories is a, is a big one as well again i think sometimes we can I don't know. This is where I sometimes I'm, I'm hesitant when I'm talking about refueling after workouts. And like, you know, like we, we, we talk about this a lot with pH because, you know, people that train regularly train hard. And sometimes if you, you know, especially if you're starting your fat loss journey and you've got maybe a little bit more weight to lose, you can kind of refueling necessarily isn't, isn't really necessary after every single session. You should just be eating as normal. You don't need to be a ton of carbohydrates if you've done like you know a kind of small mixed modal session of like 30 minutes and you know run or a bit of excess you know a bit of kind of light bodybuilding and you know whatever it's not necessarily needed to fuel and refuel from this and you know I've, I, I I sometimes kind of like think oh am I, am I putting the wrong message out when we talk about this and when it comes to fat loss but again it's it's just about context you can't answer everything but Again, if you're not seeing progress, it might be something that you don't need to be, you don't need to be fueling before it. Get up and train fasted, totally fine, because you're missing, you know, 160 calories out of that if you're, if you're going to snack before it and then afterwards get your protein in, but you don't need to be maybe shoveling, you know, one gram of carb per body weight, per, per gram per body weight. So it's, yeah, it it is a bit of a game to be like, what's your goal at the moment and trying to, to match your nutrition to that. Cool. I think, Luki, any, any, any others? Any others that I've, we've missed or that you're like going through it and going, oh, actually, yeah, that one, no, I, that one need to be. I think, we, I think we've been pretty good. I think, yeah, pretty extensive. And as, as we kind of said at the top as well, they all kind of intertwine. There's a lot of kind of overlap between these kind of things. Um, definitely, I think some really, really kind of key points and key actionable points that people can take away from this as well. Yeah, I think, I think Luke's right there. That's what we want you to do with these podcasts is, is to not just have a come on here and, and, you know, have a nice chat and set Luke's week, Luke's week up is we want you to be taking things away. And actually, whether you're listening to this in the car, running, jogging at home, whatever, we, you know, you want to be thinking, ah, that's me. I can do something with this and, and actually kind of take it away and action it. And again, this isn't a pointing fingers exercise. This is a raising awareness exercise. And if we, hopefully we've helped kind of you know, you'd be thinking, ah, that is me. Yeah, that's slipped back in. And that's normally what it is. Everyone, I don't think people have a knowledge problem. You know what to do. You know, you know, how to eat healthily. You know, kind of, you know, most of the choices that you're making are probably pretty good. We just need to be maybe identifying a few of these things. Portion control. What's your, what's your consistency across the week? Not Monday to Friday. What's your consistency across the month? You know, how to kind of approach certain scenarios like we said about restaurants and being more aware of alcohol and liquid calories. And most of the time, you're going you kind to of be moving the needle pretty, pretty good. And it's then when you get stuck, okay, it's once you've done all of these simple things, when you get stuck with it, that's the time to kind of reach out, I think. That's the time to reach out to us and go, look, guys, I've done this, done this. I need a little bit of help. I need a little bit of guidance. I need a fresh set of eyes onto my nutrition. And I think that's when we can step in. I think at the start, hopefully things like this, free resources can help kind of push you in the right direction. So yeah, thank you, Lukey. Thank you so much, mate, for, for spending your, your Monday morning and educating everyone on, on uh, some common faults of fat loss. I hope you found this useful. 
guys as always if you if you got anything any topics that you want us to cover please just message us probably the best place is just drop us a message on on instagram or, or reach out to us via the website and we'll get right onto it we've got some cool cool episodes coming up we're going to do another q a uh, soon as well which is always really useful but again maybe kind of rewind this have a little look at the show notes and some of the things that we covered and think that's what i need to be working on and then get at it but thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with quince go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365 day returns ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.